Hello, and welcome to the show. I am Nick Castros, and thank you for checking out the Odie Movement. Thank you for your continued support and overwhelmingly positive reception of what I'm looking to create. This is only possible with your support. In this episode, I'm joined by Lauren Kals. Lauren has an interesting perspective because she grew up with an alcoholic father. She also works in an ER. She shares her experience and gives her perspective and talks about why she is pursuing a career in the mental health field. Also, in case you missed it, be sure to check out our recent blog post on Eminem and his journey into sobriety. Now, on to the show. No need to be nervous. Today I'm joined with Lauren Kaus. Did I say that right? How do you say your last name? Coughs. Coughs. Lauren Coughs, to share her story with addiction and how she's been impacted. Lauren, how are you doing this afternoon? Good. Good. So to start, we'll start easy. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on addiction. Um... I believe that addiction is a disease, and um, like any other mental health condition, condition, I think that it should be treated as one, and I think that society, we're working towards making it seen as more of a condition, but we still have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. What sort of work do you think needs to be done? Um, Changing the stigma, working towards get people telling their stories and changing what people think of an addict, mm-hmm. I guess. So right now, what makes you think that that work needs to be done? Why don't you think that it's viewed as a disease? I guess my experience working in a hospital, seeing how some of the people who come in from overdoses and stuff are treated, um, experience with people I know being treated bad because their battle with the addiction Let's take a step back. Tell me a little bit about your experiences with addiction, about what you do, about your work in the hospital. Um, I work as a secretary in the ER. Okay. So I see firsthand the people that are coming in um, with overdoses, and I see how medical staff, not all of them are bad, but some of them treat them like it's, A, their fault. They treat them like they're not the same as somebody who's having a heart attack or a stroke. And sometimes they're treated poorly because of what they're coming in for. And I also have experience with my father being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in recovery now, but he, my childhood, I had some experiences that were affected me because of it. Yeah, for sure. Focusing solely on your experience in your work history, what, what sort of different experiences do or different treatments do addicts receive like how do you what do you mean by that um like how are they treated differently they first look at them as like a bad person they're not treated as somebody who has a disease or condition they're treating them as bad they think it's their fault they instantly have this i guess the stigma against them um they instantly think that they're going to be a negative person they're going to leave with their IV and they're going to instantly everybody's guards come up that they're just this bad person and I hear nurses all the time talking about how it's their fault it's their fault they shouldn't be doing that and I don't know it's just do you think that they're given the same level of care um I do I don't think that they're their care is different. I think that they still, the nurses and doctors still do what they have to. Just the perception. Yeah, they're so. just the perception. Okay. No, that totally makes sense. Going back to your story with your, your father, he was a, he was an alcoholic from the time that you were little, right? Yes. Tell me about that. 
Um, well, he, I don't remember a lot of, it was just so natural and normal for my dad to drink. My mom and him got married very young and he was always drinking. I mean, I remember on Sundays he would drink a case of beer watching football and we would all, we'd be there as young kids and him and his friends, but I never really thought too much into it until I started getting a little bit older and starting to realize there was a few times where he got aggressive with me because of he was drunk. Mm -hmm. A family, I remember Thanksgiving, he got mad at me about something and he got aggressive with me at a, at a family party and my family all just kind of dismissed it that, you know, they didn't think anything of it. We didn't talk for months after that, um, I guess. How old were you? I think I was 16 then and then um, I, there, I remember my mom dropping him off because my parents got divorced when I was five. And I remember my mom going to drop him off or drop us off to him when he was drunk at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but my, What did your mom say on that, during that circumstance situation? Um, she wouldn't let us go with him. Um, she actually took him to get something to eat and tried to get him sobered up. But she, their experience when she was married is he would leave for days at a time and drink and then he'd come back wow. and act like everything wasn't right. was fine. I obviously I don't remember that as a child. Right. Right. But he you know, my sister, my youngest sister that they had together was like six weeks old and he took off for a week and didn't tell her where she was at or he was at. Um, and then we just come back and everything was fine. But he couldn't deal with it. And then his brother died of a drug overdose when I was thirteen. Um, and I think that it almost made him get worse instead of better. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was drinking after work, you know, afternoon. It was, but then, I mean, he still took care of what he had to take care of, so I never saw him as somebody who was an alcoholic right. until he was like, said it to me. I, it was like six years ago when he said, I'm an alcoholic, and I didn't see it because I'm like, you know, you, you, know, you work, you don't do anything, you yeah. don't, you know, and he got very lucky. With not getting a DUI, he got let go a couple times. He, I remember one time we were with him and he smashed a car because he was drunk and we were young and he just left. He didn't, you know, he just pretended it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we have this misconception that you can't be an addict if you're still, you know, doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing. Um, I can totally relate to your dad's story because when my brother first went to rehab for heroin, it was in 2011 and I was using very heavily at that time. And then when he went, like when it, his, his problem became obvious, I, my use was like skyrocketed. So I totally, it's weird how that happens, isn't it? I mean, he didn't, it wasn't his, he wasn't fatal. So it wasn't like totally similar as to your dad's story. But when you see someone fall, that, that can really make your drug addiction take off, you know? Yeah. yeah he. My dad was the one that was closest to my uncle. He would, they, people would call him and say he's passed out on the street. My dad would bring him home and make sure he was breathing. Mm -hmm. So I think that had a significant impact on my dad. The rest of his family kind of just owned him because he was a drug addict and they didn't want anything to do with him. So my dad had was impacted the most, I think, by yeah. him. But your so. dad, it's it's interesting. So it's weird how drugs and alcohol are viewed differently, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, my hope, my all my dad's family still drinks. I think some of them are an alcoholic still, but you know, they don't. They see my dad. They think 
my dad's wrong for saying he's an addict now. Even on his birthday, like two months ago, my cousin said, do you really think your dad's an alcoholic? And I said, yes. And she said, well, my mom doesn't, which is his sister. And they still don't see even all the things that he's done and all the things that, mm-hmm. because my dad's vice president of his company, he makes a lot of money. He's a great person. So people don't look, they don't want to see that part of him. What do you think makes an addict? Like, how would you define an addict? Um, I think that I even struggled with my dad being alcoholic because I didn't think with alcohol that it was something because I didn't see it. I didn't see firsthand the problems it was causing him. Um, But I think now I know, looking back, like my dad would start drinking and he couldn't stop. Um, He would get to the point where he was either mean or um, just belligerent and... Now looking, I mean, back, I see those times, but I didn't for a long time, I guess. So, I mean, what is, how would you, so it's a lack of control. Yeah. Inability to say no. Um, to me, it's also, it's not a choice. Like, you're not, you're not using the drug to feel pleasurable experience or you're not getting drunk for pleasure. You're getting drunk because, like, you need to. Yeah. I mean, definitely he felt like my dad needed, felt like he needed to drink at any event, at any, at home. He felt like if he needed to drink, it was his coping coping mechanism. He never dealt with a lot of things in his childhood, so he drank. And I think alcohol is such a, in society, it's not seen as something that, you know, like drugs are, they're not, it's not seen as something bad. So it takes, I think, a longer, a lot longer for people to see that they have a problem. And you started, it sounds like you started to notice that it was a problem around the time you were a teenager. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first times he got aggressive with me and yelled at me, told me he didn't love me. And it was because he had been drinking all mm-hmm. day. And then I started, he started that, started happening more often. But then I still, still didn't see like, you know and what I mean? When did your uncle die? When I was 13. Okay, so it was kind of, kind of a, a parallel as far as time frame is concerned. Yeah. When, like, your uncle's passing kind of, I guess, set him into the deep end, really. Yeah, it did. He, my dad was the one that, I mean, was right there, you know, listening to him, telling him he needed to help. My dad took him to rehab multiple, multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I think that he would made a huge impact that, you know, when they found my uncle, all he had, he worked at GM, he had a lot of money, and all he had next to him when they found him was a pizza box and a bunch of pill bottles around him. So... I think that made a huge impact on my dad's drinking. Wow. So growing up, it was that was when you were 13. Yeah. How did things change after that for you, between you and your dad? Um. And yeah, I guess even going back further, how did the things change after the divorce with your parents? I don't remember it much. Okay. Because I was so young. I, it's been so, I've been so used to my parents being separated that I never... My, really? my parents divorced when I was, I think, four or five, so I can, yeah. You, you don't remember anything different, you know? No, like, don't, you don't I'm... remember them ever being together. And when they were even together, at least in my case, it was they weren't happy together. It was always, con, you know, conflict. Yeah, I don't even, I only remember one actual fight they had when they were divor- getting divorced. I don't really remember any part of them not being, I mean, only the things that they've told me. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom has opened up as I've got older about her experiences with my dad, so... I don't really remember the divorce as much. I think, I mean, my 
perception of my relationship with my dad was always great. I mean, it was, I never thought, even with the times he got aggressive with me, I would forgive him, and I never, I just put those away. Those, I mean, I don't, I've hardly even told people that mm-hmm. he's done those things to me, because they look at my dad and they would never expect that. Right. And my sisters have never had that experience with him. So. That's he, interesting. Why don't, why do you think that is, that they haven't? Um, I think one of the reasons I remind my dad a lot of my mom, he said it to me when he's drunk, that I'm like my mom, gonna be like my mom, gonna, you know, and I think that the divorce wasn't his choice, mm-hmm. it was my mom's, and I think that has a huge impact on the way he treats me differently than my sister's, not, not anymore. I right, mean, right. He's, he's definitely come a long way, so. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have a much better relationship now. Yeah. And he's been clean for how many years? Three three yeah he I mean he started admitting he was an alcoholic and then he would say I no, I'm not and then he would drink to the point he would be sober for a long time and then just drink to the point where he was if we found him on the ground and then he I can't do this anymore I I need help and then he'd go get help and then he when go did back. that when did that start like when did he first at, like begin admitting that he was an alcoholic and compare like how long was that between when that happened and when he got clean um I think it was I'm like maybe six years ago, my stepmom told him she was going to leave him if if he didn't get clean. And um, he thought she was just being ridiculous because her parents were alcoholics. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't, he would get real mad. So he was leaving her, divorcing her. And then we'd go through the cycle and then he'd get clean, be sober for a couple months. Then they'd get in a fight and he'd be like, I don't need to do this. And then he he, um, would go back into it. But then the last time, he started seeing this therapist that he still sees, and it's made a world of difference with him. The way he sees things, the way he, it's just, I mean, he's now, he's like part of his AA, he does, he's the treasurer, and oh, he awesome. picks people up, and he's just huge, he goes on retreats, and he's like a huge, it's made a huge difference in him. So that, that gaslighting, that movie where he was, oh, I'm leaving, oh, I'm an addict, oh, I'm not an addict, that went on for about three years, it sounds like? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was hard on us because we were like, are you an addict? Are you not? We don't know, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously our perception of our dad, he's moving up in his company. He's, you know, doing great. He's, you know, lovable by so many people. We, You know, your perception of an addict is so different mm-hmm. until I think, you know, me, because I've been becoming educated on things. So, I guess. So tell me about when he finally did decide to get clean. What, what changed? We went up north without my stepmom because he said he was going to leave her. This was like the fifth time. <laughs> and he, um, we all drank. We went up. We went to the casino. He was drinking with my sister's boyfriend at the time. And he got to the point where he, we couldn't find him. And he was out in the driveway laying on the ground. And um, we picked him up and we put him to bed. And he said when he got home that next day, he started like feeling withdrawal symptoms. He said he would, was hiding a bottle, and he felt like he needed to drink it to feel better. Mm-hmm. And he said his heart was, like, racing, and he said that time he accepted, I mean, I don't know what changed. I think he was embarrassed because that was one of the first times in those three years that we had seen him that bad. And he just, I think, just was so embarrassed with us seeing that that he decided this was it, and he started working really hard to get back into recovery, so... I think that might have been, I don't know, the, the change, just us being there. Did you ever reach a point where you thought that it was a problem? I, I know that it sounds like you were kind of back and forth. 
But was um, there ever a point where you were like, wow, this really is an issue? I, the time on Thanksgiving, I remember that's when I really started seeing it, when he got really aggressive with me. And we were out in the, uh, he took me out in the garage and he like had his arm around me and was like screaming at me and none of my family would come out to check on me. And I remember going, just crying, going back to my mom. My mom was saying, you know, he's got a drinking problem. And then I didn't talk to him for a long time after that. And then I was like, okay, he's better. And then I think I remember at my sister's, one of my sister's graduation parties, he got so drunk and my stepmom was so mad. And I remember thinking, okay, this isn't normal mm-hmm. that he's this drunk. Nobody else is this drunk. And then um, definitely after I graduated high school, I started seeing him. But even sometimes when you'd say, I'm an alcoholic, I'd be like, you know, I don't see that because you just do so well. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're moving up, you're doing this, you're you're such a good dad to us, I don't see that. And then, you know, I guess within the last couple of years, just seeing the difference in him, I realized how much he was. I think that was a huge part. What was your like drug education, substance abuse like growing up? Um, I don't remember as much in school. I My uncle passing away, that freaked me out. I think we were at an age where it made a significant impact on my, my sisters, my cousins, and I, and also my cousin, his son, was is in prison for drugs, so mm-hmm. he couldn't come out to be at his dad's funeral and stuff, and I think, you know, it scared us to to never do anything, you know. I saw the impact it did to my family, but, you know, I never was school or anything like that. I don't remember learning much about it. Do you have any idea what, like, the current system's like? I only know, like, the dare. Yeah but I don't even remember the last year in school when they even had that. So it was like non-existent for you, yeah. or at least it, it didn't I don't remember sort of it. impact. Yeah. That's crazy. How have your beliefs um, on drug use, addiction, alcoholism, how have they changed over time? And what's been kind of the, the main changing factors for them? Um, I definitely see addiction and as as definitely as a disease and definitely not what you think people think it is I mean I'll admit years ago I used to think alcoholics were the people that were living on the streets right and and drug addicts were people who were bad but then once I've you know the experience and I think my uncle and my dad's childhood was traumatic they didn't have any coping skills through their adult you know lives I think that Childhood trauma has a huge part. I totally agree. Yeah. Of addiction and mental health, and um, I think my dad's addiction changed his whole view on mental health, which has been like like the greatest thing for me and you know my family. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I it's just definitely changed. You know, my dad. People would look at my dad. And like I said, his family still is having a hard time grasping that he's an alcoholic. They drink. They don't see it as a problem. My uncle at Christmas time, nobody else was drinking, and my uncle was just belligerent, drunk, and he doesn't see my dad. You know, he doesn't really. It's not that they're not supportive, but they're almost not supportive of him. I get it. Yeah. So. No, I totally get. It. I, I've experienced that my own self because a lot of people don't want to take a look at themselves. I think you know what I mean. Exactly. Like to me, I think that if you recognize addiction then you have to take a look in the mirror and and recognize your own addictive tendencies and a lot of people just aren't comfortable doing that exactly they aren't why do you think that is because nobody wants to admit i think that they have they're flawed that people have problems i think there's the stigma with having 
any problem in your life, people try to hold it together, I guess. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What role do you think the media plays in in perpetuating that? Uh, I think the media portray, I mean, when you see any kind of addiction article, somebody passing away, overdosing, it's a negative. It's what all the bad things they did, I guess. I don't know. It's not a, there's no, this person had good things. They were doing this. They were doing that. It's always the bad things that they did. Mm-hmm. So you, your perception is they're bad. I mean, I had a friend who died over heroin overdose, and people were just so has were so negative about him. Yeah, and they didn't realize like the things he was going through. So. Yeah, there it's such a, a double-edged sword because on the one hand, I feel like media, um, pop culture in particular, it's like they're so widely drug use is so widely accepted. But mm-hmm. drug abuse and addiction is so is super like tabooed and stigmatized. Like I mean, you hear songs and whatnot about people taking Xanax and and popping pills and whatnot. But the reality of it is, <laughs> those are basically just pharmaceutical heroin in right. a lot of cases. And and if seventy five percent of heroin addicts started out on pills, so it's. It's just sad to me, it's, and it's really unfortunate that that the media seems to condone drug use and then stigmatize drug abusers. Right, it's true. It's sad. It's real sad. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what your plans are going forward. I know that you are considering potentially working in the in the social working field. Right. Yeah, I want to do something with mental health. It's important to me. I think changing the stigma with mental health addiction is something. I mean, even if I make an impact on one person, it's better than nothing. I think we are trying, as society is trying to be better at the stigma and changing it, but we still have a ton of work to do, um, especially like educating our medical, you know, schools, everything. So that's what I, I hope to do something and be a part of something to change mm-hmm. it. No, I, yeah, I'm the same. So education is huge. What do you think education in schools would look like to be more effective? I think instead of using the pictures of somebody who I think, I'm trying to remember like back in the day, like with the dare and stuff, they always showed pictures of what people look like after they were already in Mm-hmm. full addiction in their face and this but like show people who are working doing this this and this this is what is good this is what people look like I think changing the stigma of that more people might be able to go get help and I don't know change realize they're not the only ones mm-hmm. that goes with you know like mental health and addiction just being able to be comfortable enough to reach out to somebody when when something like that is happening I think change, you know, telling kids in school that it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to have these right. things is a huge, huge thing because you never hear that in schools or even in your health programs. You just see the negative of everything. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I, I think a big part, too, is, is taking a very practical approach, being something along the lines of 
hey, a lot of people become addicted because they've never developed healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah, because exactly. Because that's it's something that you mentioned, and it's such a common theme where, where people who don't have coping mechanisms do become addicted. So, so making people mindful of that and pointing it out, I think, would be a big, a big benefit. Yeah, definitely. Why do you, why do you think that is? And there, there's no good answer, or maybe there is. I don't know. Maybe you'll come up with a phenomenal answer. But why do you think people, uh, who who seem like they never really develop coping skills? I know I didn't become addicted. Like, why do they seem more prone? Um, I think starts with being young and experimenting with things like teens start experimenting with things the person who's not dealing with it they like the feeling they like that pain to go away and I know that when somebody's mentally ill sometimes you'll do anything to get that pain away right. and, and that feeling of not feeling what you're feeling is sometimes better and then it turns into I'm doing this only a few times to uh, I like this feeling a lot and then it you know starts becoming a brain your brain needs it yeah that's another really good point is so much of addiction is self-medication yeah you know when you have anxiety when you have insecurities and you're trying to mask them or or run from them or hide you know from from these insecurities or uh, project yourself as, as something that that is more secure uh the, the drugs are very very you know helpful with with giving off this persona at least they seem to be that, that you're something that you're not and that you you don't have to deal with the problems at hand right i think that's definitely you know my dad he drank because he didn't want to deal with he was stressed he that's what he did any kind of emotion he would drink do you know when your dad's uh, alcohol use started um, I think in his teens. I mean, he started chewing tobacco when he was 14. Oh, wow. So probably pretty young then. Yeah. Does he still chew? Yep. Yeah. He's tried to quit multiple times with that, but... It's not a tough habit. I still chew. It's a tough habit to quit. And it's funny. That's actually one of the things I just had when I came from a doctor's appointment. I got the Nicorette. So I said I was going to quit come spring, and we'll see how that goes. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> Is there anything else that sticks out with with your story or maybe any advice that you might have to anybody who who is dealing with a parent who who struggles with addiction? I I don't know. I think supporting them. I mean, it's hard sometimes. Definitely like in my situation, I had a hard time because of the my dad getting aggressive with me. My sisters were a lot more supportive at the time. Um, my youngest with that's with my father. She was like by his side. But she also was enabling him too because when he wanted to drink, she would drink with him mm. because she was, she was like, torn all the time. And I think having the experience with him being aggressive with me, I think, and you know, still supporting him through it and uh, you know accepting his apologies, accepting it. I think that can help a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say, what does healthy support look like? Because I feel like so often it it's we enable. I think you know trying to be mindful especially with drinking because it's everywhere um you know my dad's pretty okay with people drinking around him it doesn't really affect him but I think you know all of us and his somewhat of a some of his family you know try not to bring it around um he said sometimes you know he'll 
it'll just cross his mind. He said he was in Vegas and he, there was somebody drinking a Corona and he's like, well, I would love to have one of those right now. And he mm-hmm. said, then he had to change that thought. And I think not having it there helps. I think, you know, we've all been really supportive of his therapy and his, you know, his AA. And for Christmas, my stepmom got him this big old sign to put in his office about something. I don't know that they, they say, I don't know, but he, AA, yeah. yeah. So cool. I think just, you know, your family being just a hundred percent backing his choice and even though you might not 100 percent agree like some of my family i think just trying to be there for him mm-hmm. yeah no i totally agree <laughs> that's all the questions that i wanted to get through with you lauren today do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off no no did, are you still nervous or did you calm down well um a little nervous you did great <laughs> why are you nervous because i'm awkward i feel like you're not awkward you're only as awkward as you think you are. Oh, I feel like I'm awkward. No, oh, see, it's a just it's just like getting over addiction. It's about changing that mindset, changing oh, yeah. that that thought pattern. So I think that you're just super suave, and then you, <laughs> you will be. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Lauren. This has been fantastic. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. This is Nick and Lauren Coffs. With the Open Discussion OD podcast, signing off.